Some of you, this is your first time here, and you're like, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of this church. Pretty sure we're the only church in town playing Smashing Pumpkins this weekend. But, uh, but uh, hey, so uh, let me just explain that really, really quick, because I had some conversations last night. Um, so we get together for a programming meeting, kind of plan out this service all, uh, for several weeks before this. And, and uh, when, I, when I explained what I was going to be talking about today, Tommy, who's like 12 and a half, he... Um, <laughs> He threw out that Smashing Pumpkin song, and I, I read the lyrics to it, and I thought, those are kind of messed up lyrics. But then, as I, I know what I'm going to talk about today, that actually asks some questions and, and expresses some feelings that a lot of us have. Let's see if Jesus has to say anything about that today. So if that song scared you, good. All right, so uh, at least you're paying attention. Hey, before I get into this, uh, so I've been on vacation the last couple of weeks. I haven't been here the last two weekends. Uh, uh, and I love going on vacation. I went scuba diving in, in Honduras, down in uh, the Caribbean. It was awesome. But I missed two weekends. And usually when I'm gone, I like being gone. But there were two days that I really, really missed being here. And that was baptism weekend. So while we were down in Honduras, we had our own baptism service, just like 40 feet underwater. And it counts. It's immersion. Uh, so it counts. But I was, I was living on the phone the whole time. That's my friend Dave. Right? He gets baptized. And this is Bernie. He's going to get baptized. And, and I was on the phone the whole time, texting and tweeting. I tweet now. I'm a tweeter. And, uh, and anyway, so I'm saying, there's 300. And then this Scott or Randy going, there's 400 more. And it just blew my, blew my mind. And so we were down around the pool and kind of toasting you all as you got baptized. It was really, really cool. The whole experience was good. Kind of falls apart right here at the end, right there. And uh, but other than that, <laughs> that's not real. We put that in there anyway. <laughs> the baptism count though. Anyway, but um, but anyway, hey. So I missed baptism weekend, and just if, if you're one of those people that got baptized over the last couple of weeks in here, um, I missed it. Cause just give it up for all those people that, that gave baptism. Just encourage them. Right? Because you know if. if if you're anything like me, those first couple weeks after your baptism, life fell apart and it got really, really hard. Like, I wouldn't have gotten baptized if, if I'd known that. But anyway, um, hey, let's jump, let's jump into this. Over the last several weeks and for the next, the next couple weeks, we've been kind of working through our values. We call them the big rocks. These are the hills that, that, that we'll die on. And if you're new to this church and you kind of figure out what kind of church you landed in, hopefully this will give language to why we do what we do and why we don't do certain things. Maybe at your old church or maybe you've never been to church before and this will explain it. So let's review really, really quick. These are the big rocks that we're kind of building our lives on, if I don't kill myself here. The first one, big rock, catch me, all right, it's you, you're the biggest guy in the world, you gotta catch me, all right, so first one's called biblical authority, we believe the Bible is God's word, and it, ha- it shows us a better way to live, not just if we believe it and sing songs about it, but if we'll uh, put ourselves under its authority and adjust our lives to what God says is a better way to live, that's called biblical authority, we don't worship the Bible, we don't worship a book, we worship the God that stands behind that Bible and says, this is my word, this is a better way to live, in that Bible we find about this, it's called uh, relational intimacy, Sin breaks us apart from God. Sin can't be in the presence of God. Jesus, his, blood, his death, burial, and resurrection reconnects us into a, a, an intimate relationship with God. We believe Jesus is the only one who can reconnect us back to God according to what the Bible says. And then last week, we looked at this, is that Jesus said, I want to build something new. We're going to talk about this more this week and next week. I want to build a, a community, an authentic community where people actually live lives together, real, authentic lives together. We think that, we, because we find this in the Bible and Jesus promised it, that it is possible, there's a chance that we might actually start to live the lives that Jesus had in mind for us if we could come together and help one another. Stop throwing stones at one another whenever we make mistakes. And when somebody falls down, we actually help them get back up. That's just a better way to live. It's called authentic community. And so that's what we're running after around here. It's one of those big rocks in here. The fourth one we're going to look at today, the fourth rock, the fourth value is called gifted service. We believe this, and we're going to look at this a lot today, all right? We believe that, that, that something happens when you lean your life against Jesus. 
All right, and say, I believe, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you are who you say you are and that, and that you'd keep every promise to me. We believe that a couple things happen when you lean your life against Jesus. One is all your sins are forgiven. The other thing is that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and makes what was impossible without him in you now possible with him in you. Your life can change. Things can, things can change. You couldn't do it on your own. But because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is who we're going to look at today, comes and lives inside of you, he, he gives you the ability to do what you couldn't do without him, to serve one another and to, to serve God. It's, spirit called, it's called gifted service. And that's what we're going to look at over these next two weeks. Jesus promised over and over after he returned to heaven, his heavenly father would send what Jesus called the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Later, Paul says when the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, he gives every believer. So if you say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. He says, the Holy Spirit gives every believer a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. I'm not talking about a talent or just an ability. It's something that God empowers you to do when he tells you to go do something. He doesn't go tell you to do something and then doesn't give you the power to do it. A spiritual gift gives you the power to do whatever God wants you to do. And the Holy Spirit produces change in a person's life causing you to live your life with different outcomes or, or kind of like a tree produces fruit, different fruit of your life. Look at this and see if it describes anybody that we've been talking about lately. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does that sound like anybody you know? It's, it's Jesus, right? Against such things, there's no law. There's no rule. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, a person who has Jesus living inside of them, all right, we don't become a Christian and then say, ah, I guess I gotta try to be more loving, that's what Jesus died on the cross for. I've got to be more patient or I've got to be nicer to people because it's a rule or God tells me to. That's not what I, that's not what I mean. The, the, the evidence of a person, the evidence of a person who has Jesus living inside of them is that they, they become acting more and more like Jesus. All right, I'll give you an example. How do you know if an apple tree is a good apple tree? How do you know? It has... Apples, that's, well, that's, that's philosophy there. Write that down, all right? Uh, you know if an apple tree is a good apple tree because it has apples hanging off of it, right? Now, you can, I've, I talked about this before. You can nail apples to a fence post. It doesn't make it an apple tree. It does describe a lot of Christians I know, right? I sing songs, I pray prayers, I go to, that, that's not what I'm talking about, right? The fruit of the Spirit, it means this. A person's life is looking in more, and becoming more and more like Jesus, now, we're going to look at all that over the next couple of weeks, all right, in here. And, and I, I would love to just carve out the next month or two and just do a study of the Holy Spirit. And, and we're, going to kind of, we're going to be touching on him over and over and over. But today, I just want to look at one thing. Sorry, I got a cold. I got to do that a lot. Anyway, you think it's water. It's awesome. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I, I, I want to look at the primary role of the Holy Spirit's kind of role in your life. Meaning this, we're going to look at some other things that the Holy Spirit does in your life later, all right? But I want to look at the, the, the number one thing. If we miss this, the Holy Spirit's role in our life, all right, everything else that we talk about with God or following God or whatever, it's kind of a moot point. It just won't matter. It won't matter. If, if you miss what I want to talk to you about today, your, your life, your Christian life will, will be very short-lived like so many other good things in your life that started well and then fell apart. And when I say it fell apart, I'm not talking about your salvation. What I'm talking about today is not that God saved you and then you made a mistake and then God unsaved you. It doesn't happen. God doesn't look at you and go, I saved you on Sunday. You got baptized. Is this great? I didn't know you were going to do that on Tuesday. I right, take it back. You know, that's not how it works. Most Christians think, think like that. I, I grew up thinking if, if, if Jesus came back and I was sitting in a rated R movie, I was going to hell. I really believe that. All my, my mom told me that, actually. But anyway, I'm not, you, you're not losing your salvation. I'm talking about losing the life that you could have. When you die, you're going to heaven. We're not even talking about that, right? I'm talking about letting go and losing the life that could be possible if you would listen to me today when I teach you what the Bible says and Jesus promised about the Holy Spirit's role in your life here, now, this afternoon. Not after you die and go to heaven, this side of your funeral. 
Then we're going to walk out of here with a real practical application. When you walk out, there's going to be these rocks. I've got wheelbarrows of rocks out there. Everybody's going to take a rock home with them. It's an illustration. It's not a crystal. Don't get excited about that, right? It's just, it is just a rock from a landscape company. But, uh, but it's, a, it's a metaphor, right? So we're going to go home, all right? So then we're going to come back in here and go, this is what we're going to unpack next week. What if I really believe this stuff about God? And what he says about me. And what if our church embraced that? What, what could be possible? Now, we're going to get into this, but we've got to review again. Because everything that I've been talking about, everything Scott's been talking about for the last several years in here, it is, it, none, none of it is in isolation. It's all one theme. So since Easter, here's what we've been talking about. I started by looking at this guy named Peter. And before, I mean, before Jesus died and went back to heaven, Peter was just, a, um, he was just messed up. He was a coward. He, he folded in front of children. I was like, I don't know Jesus. And he ran away over and over and over, and over again. Then something happens. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in Peter's life, and now Peter the coward now becomes Peter who's bold and courageous, and he has a spiritual gift of teaching that just blows people's minds. We've looked at this several times. Peter stands up in the temple a couple of times so far and announces, here's the first sermon ever in the first church ever. Peter stands up in front of thousands of people and says this, God sent his one and only son, the Messiah, the one who can take our sins away and reconnect us back to God. His name is Jesus. Do you remember him? Because about six weeks ago, and maybe he pointed out the window, see that hill? You killed him. You killed the author of life. And, uh, and everybody went, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But, all right, but death couldn't hold him. And as ultimate proof that Jesus really is the Messiah, that he's the son of God, just like he said he was, God the Father raised him from the dead. And now salvation is found in no other name other than the name of Jesus. And the response of the people, anytime Peter said that was, oh, no, what are we going to do? And we've all had moments like that in our life when we realize I've screwed up. I, I, I've, I've abandoned God. I've messed up my life. Oh, no. What are we going to do? What can I do? What does God want me to do? Peter looks back at these people and goes, repent. Change your mind. You want something different. Point your life back towards Jesus. Put your faith. Lean your life against Jesus. Trust that what he did on a cross, his death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing that can blot out your sins and reconnect you back to God. And then when you come to a point in your life where you actually believe that, and a lot of you did this a couple weeks ago, be baptized in the name of Jesus as an outward demonstration of the inner faith and confidence that you do believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do everything he promised and will do everything he promised to do in your life. Yeah, Peter, then, then what? what? What's the result of that? The result is your sins will be forgiven, removed, blotted out, and you will receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to look at today, because I think a lot of us as Christians miss this or only get part of it. I want to look at, so when we walk out here today, we know what that means for us to be forgiven and to be give, given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is kind of, kind of basic for some of us, but it's new information for a lot of us. So the obvious one is this, all right? God, and, and some of you, are, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey right now. Some of you say, I don't even know if I believe in God. Then you're going to have to go with this on a theoretical basis, right? If there is a God, can you hang with me on that? All right. So if there is a God, I bet he's holy. I bet he's good. I bet he's pure, right? If there's a God, he's holy and perfect. And sin is less than that. And sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. You can't put them in the same place and have them both exist. The Bible teaches this, is that we've all sinned and fallen short of what God has told us to do. I want you to do this. Maybe we tried, we just, we didn't do it. I want you to be this. We fell really short of that. The Bible says this, is that the wages or the result of sin is death and separation from God. Because sin can't be in the presence of God. When Jesus died on a cross, he paid our debt. He paid the wage for every sin that we ever committed or will ever commit in the future. It's paid for. In full, we've been redeemed. We've been ransomed. Paul says it this way. I love this verse, Romans chapter 8. It's a great verse. It'd be a great tattoo. I think it might be my next one. I don't know where. It's none of your business. All right, Romans 8, verse 1. Says, this is a great verse. Look at this. It says this. There is therefore now what? See, that is just so wimpy, folks. All right, all right. There, there is therefore now what? 
No condemnation. See, some of us are going, oh, I bet there's less. I bet condemnation, is, it's, it's cut down a little. No, no, none. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There's no condemnation. There is no hell. There is no punishment coming your way. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. When a person puts their faith in Jesus, their sins are forgiven. Your condemnation is replaced by grace and eternal life in connection to God. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? That's good news, right? That's really, really good news, which it is. But now, from this point on, if you're going to leave, leave now. If you're not going to leave, you have to stay for the rest of this. Because if you only listen to half of this, you're going to walk out of here going, that, that's not even true. You have to listen to all of this. And here's what I mean by that, right? It sounds good, but it's not enough. Now, again, don't leave because I need to explain myself. Don't misquote me, all right? Jesus is enough to, to remove all condemnation and all your fear of death and hell. He's enough. He is all that you need. It's not Jesus plus this and Jesus and the teachings of this and Jesus be a good person. No, it's just he's all that you need, all right? But honestly, think about this. Condemnation and sinful behaviors, going out and committing sins, are really just symptoms or wages of a bigger, deeper problem going on in your life. There's a reason I do that stuff, right? Think about this, parents, all right? If your child continues to get in trouble at school or at home, make the same mistakes over and over and over, you as a, as a parent, you know, you're willing to forgive them. How many times have you forgiven your children? How many times have you cleaned up their mess? How many times have you gone and paid for their mistakes? And, and you don't resent that, but a good parent, there comes a point when a good parent looks beyond the bad behavior and asks the question, why does this keep happening? Why? Why does she keep getting in trouble for the same thing over and over and over? There is something back there that happened that's causing what's happening up here to happen over and over and over, right? And unless I get back there and address the root, root of that problem, nothing's going to change. I'm forgiven for it, but something keeps causing it to happen. I need to go back there and address that because something needs to change in our life so that the occurrence and the frequency of the things that I have to be forgiven for from God become less and less. And this is where I think, this is my opinion, but I'm right. I think that the church only teaches half of the story of forgiveness and we miss part of it. I think one of the most important parts, we teach about, you know, God takes away our sins because of what Jesus did and that's true. And God makes sure that we're not gonna go to hell, which is true. But the forgiveness of the symptoms the forgiveness of the symptoms and results is only part of it. We need to address the root problem that leads to the symptoms and the results. And that's what I want to talk about today and talk about how the Holy Spirit plays a role in that. See, God describes every person, every person on the planet, in this room and all over the planet, describes the life of a person before they put their faith in Jesus or if they never put their faith in Jesus this way. This is how God describes us before Jesus. For when you were what? What's the word? Slaves. So, so God looks at you and goes, there's a, there's a time in your life that you were enslaved to something. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You, what, what do you mean free? All right? You had none. When you were enslaved to sin, you had no righteousness, none. It's kind of like, you know, you're, some of you are gluten-free. Well, most all of us are righteousness-free when it comes to our life before Jesus. We didn't have any. We couldn't produce any righteousness. Before the blood of Jesus set us free, God knew that. He looks at and goes, I, I know why you do what you do. Here, here it is, all right? Because sin is your master. It owns you. It controls you. It's your identity down to the core level. And your righteousness, any good thing you could try to do or point to and go, see, that makes me a good person. Or hey, that, that makes me good enough to be with God. It doesn't exist. It's not enough. It doesn't count. Isaiah the prophet says, trying to get into heaven by piling up all of our good works is like piling up filthy, bloody rags. See, 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 before God drew you to himself and taught you that you could, you could actually trust his son Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself, and you responded by putting your faith and trust in him, we were all, you and I were all slaves to sin. 
Think about this, all right? It just explains so much. We don't get up in the morning and try to sin. We don't get out of bed going, my goal this week is 10 sins today. You know, no, no. I lay down in bed going, I did it 100 times, you know? So I, I don't try to sin. I just do it. Why? Well, God nails it here. Sin's your master. And when sin is your master, the natural thing you do is sin. That's philosophy. Write that down. I'm so smart. Look at that, right? It's just, it's just, it's just true, right? Messy people act messy. messy. Right? True? That's just true, all right? Broken people act broken. Sick people act sick. It's just true. Why? Because sin's your master. And Jesus said this, no person, nobody can have two masters. You can't have two masters in your life. You love one and hate the other. You can't serve Jesus as your master. Oh, he's my Lord and Savior, and I put my faith in him, and remain chained to sin, and that's your master at the same time. It's not possible to be chained to both. So here's what a lot of us have done in this room. Some of us are thinking about it someday. You put your faith in Jesus, and here's what Jesus did in that moment. Past tense, it is done, it is finished, it is complete. He took your sin away. He took your sin away, and he broke the chains. Look what Paul asks us this question then. Look at verse, verse 6 here. What shall we say then? So here's the question for all you Christians, all right? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace and forgiveness may abound? There's so much grace. Let's keep on sinning. And, and Paul throws that question out. Because this is how a lot of us live our lives. Okay, I'm forgiven. Here's my question. Can I just keep on sinning now that I have a forgiveness, get out of, free hell, get out of hell free card? Can I just do that? I have no condemnation. I'm forgiven. I must do what I want. Let's just play this out, right? Can't I just go ahead and divorce my husband or wife because I'm just tired of him? I can ask Jesus to forgive me on the back end because there's no condemnation. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said. I got hell insurance. I'm going to live any way I want, right? I know a lot of people have done that. I've done that a big chunks of my life, right? Some of us, right? Can I just go ahead and keep sneaking off to the basement computer and locking the door and getting lost in all my porn sites? After all, don't judge me. Jesus will forgive me. Don't anybody try to judge me because I have grace. Jesus knows my heart. He understands why I do what I do, why I continue to, to, to do those things, get drunk, get high, disobey my parents, cheat, lie, steal, act on my emotions, on my sexual emotions and feelings. Jesus understands it, right? He's okay with it, right? Write this down. No, he's not. He's not. Jesus didn't pour out his blood and die on a cross so that you and I could just keep on doing what we've always done the way we did it before we trusted Jesus. Now, just with no consequences and ramifications, temporary or eternal, Jesus will bail me out. I'm going to do what I want. No, no, no. Grace is not permission to go on sinning. It's not, I, I, I got to get out of hell. I'm just going to keep, keep on doing what I want. No, it's not how it works. Grace is not permission to go on sinning. And here it is. Paul answers his own question. Can we do that? Verse 2. By no means. By no means. He's just talking to Christians, all right? And if you think about becoming a Christian, lean into this, all right? By no means. How can we? Here's the question. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And the answer is you can't. You can't. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, and that's a lot of us, were baptized into his what? I've been crucified with Christ. I've been one with him, all right? We were baptized into his death. He says, do you not know that? Have you forgotten? That's what it meant. And that do you not know statement could go to every verse in here, all right? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Did you not know that? Did you forget Verse 5, for we, for we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Did you not know that? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. And I like how the Greek translates this, so that the sin's control over me might be destroyed. That's a better word. Sin's chains on me are destroyed. And here's why. So that we would no longer be what? Enslaved, tied up to sin. It's my master. No, those chains have been broken. Did you, did you forget that? Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And we're not talking about heaven there. We're talking about this afternoon. 
Tomorrow when you get up and go to work, we can live with Christ today because the chains of sin, being our master, have been broken. Let me summarize this. Before Christ came into our lives, all we had were good intentions. All we had was, was willpower. Okay, I'm going to try to do this marriage better. I'm going to try to never, ever go back to that again. I'm going to try harder, or at least I'm going to compare myself to other people and hope that I'm better than them, and on a grading curve, I make it into God's favor or something, all right? That's all that you and I had at our attempts to be a good person. I'm trying to be a good man. I'm trying to be a good woman, a good husband, a good father, a good mom, a good whatever. We did our best, and God looks at us and goes, listen, you don't have a chance. You didn't have a chance from the beginning, and here's why. Sin owns you. It's your master. It defined you. It condemned you. Before you even got started, you were done. But then you put your faith, because God taught you that this is true, and you can do this. You, can put, you put your faith in the one and only Son of God and the blood of Jesus on the cross in that moment destroyed sin's chains of slavery over you. That's why we sing songs in here. It's how we're going to close out the service today. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. I've been set free. I used to be enslaved. I just, I just sinned. I didn't think about it. I just, I just, now something's changed in my life. I've been set free. When we sing that, what we're referencing is Jesus set me free from sin's chains and power over my life. And now what was impossible to do without him, what was impossible to stop doing without him, what was impossible to change in my life is now possible. See, I know this, I'm going to say this over and over in 15 different ways. But most of us Christians don't live our lives actually believing this. And we're missing it out, which explains why we fall down so often. But the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, several things happen in that moment. First, sin's chains of enslavement and power over your life were destroyed. Sin can't make you do anything anymore. Now, it can tempt you and you can choose to go do it. But sin cannot make you do what you, what you don't want to do. It can't. Or God's a liar. That happened at the cross. Second thing, every individual sinful action and mistake that you and I have ever committed, symptoms of our slavery, they are forgiven. They are removed. And condemnation that normally would have gone with those is gone forever. And it's not coming back. God's not going to bring back going, oh, I forgot something. Before you became a Christian, you did this. And my blood didn't cover that. Eh, Not true. It's gone. But God the Father didn't stop there. At the moment, at the moment you leaned your life against Jesus, he kept every promise that he made to you concerning what he would do to you and for you in the moment of your salvation. This happened the moment that you leaned your life against Jesus. He, he kept every promise. Promises like this. Look at this. God says this. I'll put my spirit in you and give you what? Anybody need a new heart? We've had broken hearts. We have hard hearts. We've got smashed hearts. We've got divided hearts. I need a new heart. And God says the moment you lean your life against Jesus, I'll put my spirit in you and I'll give you a new heart, a good heart, a soft heart, not a heart of stone. How about this one? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? I know what I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. I am a new creation. The moment I lead my life against Jesus, the old, my old life has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How about this one? For in Christ, you are all what? Sons, daughters of God, all right? We're children of God through faith. Not because we earned our way in, but we leaned our lives against Jesus and he adopted us. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. I wear Christ. When God looks at me, he doesn't see Jim anymore. He sees Christ. I'm covered in Christ. And I'm just getting started. God's just getting started. Here's who you are in Christ. Don't try to write these down. I'll, I'll put them online later, okay? According to God, God says that in Christ, you are a joint heir with Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the apple of his eye. You are free from condemnation. You are more than a conqueror. You're in the palm of the Lord's hand. You, oh, this blows my mind. You are loved by God as much as he ever loved Jesus. 
He loves you that much. He does. You are in God's hand and none, nothing, no situation, no person can pluck you out of God's hand. You are complete in, in him. You are delivered from the power of darkness. You are accepted in him. You are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. You are in Christ. That's who you are. That is who you are in Christ and because of Christ. See, that's what God sees when he looks. Thank you. See, we're going to get to why some of you are going... All right, we're going we're to get to that, right? See, see, when God looks at you, that is who and what and the only thing he sees. All that happens because Jesus set you free from your former master and your identity. He removed your condemnation and said, this is who you are. I, I decide. God says, I'm the only one who can say this is who you are. And get this, either you are who God says you are or God is a liar. Those are the two deals on the table. Either God says this is who you are and you are or God is a liar. They both can't be true. God says this, but, but it's not true. No. What, what must I do to, to have that in my life? What must I do to be saved? Put your faith in the only name that can save, Jesus. Here's what will happen. Your sins will be forgiven. The condemnation will be removed. Sin's power over you will be destroyed. And you will become the person that God had in mind when he had an idea to create you in the first place. It's still possible. And you're going to need some help. Anybody need help? Anybody need help? And Jesus, I got that covered. I got that covered. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit going to do in your life? Here's the most important thing, I think, to me anyway. Here's what Jesus said, John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So that's a promise. So he has to keep his promise. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, your memory, all that I said to you, including everything I said about you that you forgot. Everything I said to you, but other people said things different to you. The Holy Spirit is going to bring back, no, this is who you are. See, what's the first job of the Holy Spirit's role in your life this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day and the next day all the way to your funeral? Well, according to Jesus, first and foremost, he's going to spend every moment of every day between now and your funeral. He'll teach you and remind you about who Jesus is, what Jesus promised to do in your life, and he will teach you and convince you all of what God says about you, about who you are, about who you're not, about what you're worth, about who you are to God and what he has promised to do in your life. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to spend most of his time trying to get you to believe that it's really true because most of us don't. Right? No, no. What I mean is that's why it's such like, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. Think about that. Put that list back up here real, real, real quick. Think about it. If you believe that that is who you really are, wouldn't it change things? If you believe that all those things about, that God says about you, if you really believe that that is who you are, isn't it true that maybe you'd start believing that new impossible things are actually now possible in your life if you were convinced that that was true about you? If you really believe that when God looks at you, he sees his son and daughter and he loves you as much as he ever loved Jesus, wouldn't it change how you get out of bed in the morning? I can get up, I can face the day because I am loved by God and my sin and my mistakes have not changed this, all right? How about this? I'm going to mess with some people today, all right? And it's going to mess you up, but you're going to have to go home and wrestle through this and some of you can disagree with me and that's fine, but I'm going to push into this, all right? Think about this. God is not male or female as we understand biology. He's spirit. Everybody got that? He's not a boy or girl. He's a spirit, all right? But let me talk to, talk to men first. Ladies, yours is coming. You don't ever talk to women. Just hold on, all right? So... I want to talk to men real, real quick. God clearly says that he created you men, us men, to reflect the masculine image of God, Genesis chapter 2 and 3. 
as a creator, a provider, a protector. That is the role of a man, right? right? If sin messed that up, and it, by that I mean your masculinity, reflecting the masculine image of God, because something that, and you've become something that is nothing like the image of God, and then according to what we looked at today, Jesus gives it back to you. That means Jesus gives you the freedom and the Holy Spirit gives you the power to actually become a man that reflects the image of God again or for the first time, finally, to the people in your life, your wife, your children, to your friends. You can actually reflect God now because Jesus is going to change you and the Holy Spirit's going to give you the power to do it. Ladies, let me talk to you. God, God calls you many things in the Bible, not just his daughters, although you certainly are. He says that you reflect the feminine image and character of God. God has a masculine image. He has a feminine image. Don't let, freak out about that. He's not male or female, but he has an image. And it took male and female to, to reflect that image. God describes women this way. He describes you with words like this, precious, strong, noble, nurturer, protector, wise, beautiful, valuable, helper. God designed you, ladies, so that people would look at you as a woman and make correct assumptions about God. That's the truth. Sin messed it up. Sin ruined it or has, is trying to ruin it. And people, and by people, ladies, what I mean, usually messed up, weak men try to redefine you, define you differently, treat you differently than what God said about you. And here's what makes it worse, ladies. You believed us. You believed some, some really broken men. Jesus gives you the freedom. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to become a woman that once again reflects the image of God as he displays himself in your life, in your family, to other women. Ladies, if you believe that, wouldn't it change the way you see and treat yourself? And wouldn't it change the way you allow other people to see you and treat you from this point on if you really believe that? No more. You're not going to do that to me ever again. Why? Because I'm the image of God. I'm, I'm the image of God. See, in Christ and because of Christ, God has said, this is who you are. This is who you are. I'm allowed to say who you are because I'm God. And I, I, this next thing, this statement is, I think it's the best thing I've ever come up with. I thought this, I tweeted it. I tweet now. I'm a tweeter. Follow me. All right. So anyway, all right. But look at this. This is just great. Think about this. Any voice, any thought, any person, any emotion, especially your own emotions, any temptation, anything that tries to tell you that you are different than what God has said is true about you is a lie from the pits of hell. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Any voice, any thought, any person, any emotion, including your own, any anything that tries to say this, that's not who you are. I know God says that, but that's not who you are. It's a lie from the pits of hell, a lie that is told to you, so you'll give up. You'll give up on the whole hope of becoming who God says you already are. It's a lie. Don't believe it. The Holy Spirit's going to spend the rest of your life trying to convince you that it's not true. See, I, I'm really going to push in this. I'm going to unpack some stuff. This sounds great. I just don't like it. You are not simply a sinner saved by grace. I get what you're trying to say, and it sounds noble. It even sounds humble, but that is not who you are. I mean, you probably did some sinner stuff. Anybody done some sinner stuff in your life? Yeah, yeah. That section back there, no, really? We've all, we've, we've all messed up. We, we have all messed up. We all have, all right? But that's not who we are. That's not our identity according to God. And that's not what God sees when he, he looks at you. You're a sinner saved by grace. No, what am I when he looks at me? How about this? You are a new creation in Christ, created in the image of God. The image of God is in you. He's in there, male and female. He is in you. So listen carefully. I want to do something for the next few minutes. I, I don't want to talk to you. I want to speak to the image of God within every man and woman in this place. Uh, the, the image of God is in every man, woman, boy, girl in this place. I want to speak to the image of God who's in you. I don't want to speak to your feelings, your emotions, your opinions. As a matter of fact, those parts of your life are going to hate, fight what I'm about to say. But I'm going to quote God, so email him, all right? I just, I'm going to quote that. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. The image of God is in every person, every human being in this room right now. 
that he's been stuffed down. I'm going to say some things, and the image of God is going to try to come up and go, that's true, and you're going to play whack-a-mole and go, bam, and get it. No, 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 no. And I don't want to deal with that right now, because if that's true, then this is true, and this is true, and this is true, and this is true, and I don't want to deal with that. That's, that's too much. But for a moment, if you're honest, God will raise his head. Listen to this. I, it goes like this. You are not your sin. You're not. You're not. You're more than that. You're not your sin. You're not your feelings. You're not your emotions. You're not what you're tempted to do. You're not your mistakes. You're not the past. You're not your failures. I'll give you a more specific. You're not defined by your affair. You're not your divorce. And here's what's going on in our head. Why not? It's the biggest thing that ever happened in my life. No, it's not. Jesus coming into your life is the biggest thing that has or will ever happen in your life. Jesus is bigger than your divorce. Jesus is bigger than the affair that you had or has had on you, right? It's just true. Jesus is more. It's not who you are. Let me talk to some of those ladies in here who have believed the lie. Ladies, you're not a whore. You're not a slut. I know people have called you that. I know you look in the mirror and go, I think I am. I acted like one. Well, you're not. You're not. You are not the same thing as your behavior, your mistakes, or your sin. How about this, all right? We're going to lean into this. And I had some great conversations last night. What I'm about to say, if this doesn't apply to you, don't get defensive. If, if it applies to you, come talk to me if you want to, but don't try to defend other people. The image of God in them will, will, will make this clear, right? But what if, based on everything I've said today, what if, what if you're not really gay? And the room stopped talk, breathing, right? He's going to say it. He's going to talk about this, all right? What if? Well, I was told I am. I've been treated like I am. I've been abused. I had bullies knock me down and call me names like that. I just figured after a while, that's who I am. I just concluded that's who I am. Well, according to Jesus, you're just wrong. According to Jesus, you got lied to. Well, who lied to me? The list is long. The list of things that people who don't agree with much about what Jesus has to say is true about you and your life. And if it doesn't agree with what Jesus said is true about you, then it's not true. And it's not who you really are, which the Holy Spirit is going to spend the rest of your life trying to teach you. And some of us are sitting here going, well, that doesn't sound very loving to say. And I would agree with you, unless it's true. Unless it's true. If I said anything different, it would be hateful, right? It's just true. See, I know. Don't get hung up on that. Let's just keep on going, all right? I know in the past, people hurt you. You got hurt. That's my story, right? But that didn't make us bad people. You are not a bad man. You're not a bad woman. You made mistakes. Sin screwed up big chunks of your life. But God said that because of and through Jesus Christ at the cross, he put a new heart in you, a clean heart in you. Because of that, you can't look at yourself and say, I'm just a sinner. I'm just an addict. I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just a criminal. That's not who you are. It's what you did. It's not who you are. I'll give this to you. I'll I'll give you some ground on this, all right? Your emotions have betrayed you. Your flesh, your biology might be broken and vulnerable, and you can't go certain places. You can't do or do certain things anymore or eat or drink certain things anymore, and you still mess up in some of those areas of your life. Me too. I'm with you on that. We all do. But the word sinner or addict is not the first word on the list of words that have the right to say, this is who you are. Nowhere in the Bible can I find that a person who's put their faith in Jesus is ever referred to as a sinner again. Because they're not, they're not. They're a new creation. Jesus paid for all of that and set you free from those definitions and those chains. And he calls you something better. And Jesus is the only one who has the right to tell you who you are. Nobody else does. I get this. See, I, I get this, all right? And this, this is going to, you got to work through this because a couple people heard this wrong last night. You got to work through this, all right? I've been to these meetings and I've, I've spoken at these meetings and I've been a part of these meetings. Somebody stands up in a meeting and says this, something like this. Hi, my name is Jim and I'm an alcoholic. I understand 
I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to identify there's something in my life. How about this? Hi, my name is Jim, and I'm a new creation in Christ. And with God's help, his Holy Spirit, I am fighting to be free from an addiction to alcohol. That just sounds better to me. Sounds more biblical what Jesus says about us. See, Jesus set us free. I still fight it. I still wrestle with it. It still comes back. The, 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 the voices are in my head, but Jesus has set me free. Here's the question. Then why do we continue to live like slaves? If Jesus set us free from all that, why do we keep going back to the same slavery? And here's the answer. Because we don't believe him. We don't, we don't believe him. All right, so, so I'm, pray through this. I, I was watching this TV show the other day, and it's, it's, it's about kings and castles and cool stuff like that and, and dragons and stuff like that. And, uh, and see, some of you go, oh, I know what it is. All right, so anyway, but I, love, I love shows like this. But in this show, the, the prince, the, the soldiers find out that the, the prince has been tortured and, and captured and mutilated, and it's being held in a cage in the, in the dog kennels up in the tower of the castle. The soldiers fight their way through the castle. They find the prince. They break open the lock and say, we come to take you home, but he won't come out. He says, that's not my name. That's not my name. I'm not allowed to come. I have to stay in the cage. And he runs back in the cage. The show ends with the soldiers riding away from, from the castle. And they say, where's the prince? And they say, he's dead. He's not dead. He's still the prince by birth, by blood, by title. He could be the king. He could have a castle. But he doesn't believe it. So he lives in a cage like a dog because that is what he has become to believe about himself. I'm not a prince. I might have used to be. I've screwed that up. I'm not a prince. I'm an animal. I feel like an animal. I've been treated like an animal. I've acted like an animal. Therefore, I deserve to stay in this cage like an animal with the other animals, even if they come and try to tell me that I've been set free. Despite, I think Smashing Pumpkins got it right, all right? Despite how angry and outraged I am, despite everything, I'm just a rat in a cage. Nothing is going to change. And so I stay in the cage even though the door is open doesn't that describe a lot of our stories and our lives be honest we come in here we hear all this great stuff about Jesus and before we get to our car something happens before we get out of this room something happens somebody looks at us wrong or says something wrong or a memory or a feeling or a temptation hits us and we go right back to see nothing changed nothing's ever going to change I haven't changed that's why I have to go back to the bible uh, the, the bottle that's who I am I have to get high I have to have an affair I don't even have a choice that's just who I am I'm a bad man I'm a bad woman I have to do this it's who I am no it's not no it's not you are a good man you're a good woman because God kept his promise and he put a good heart in you just like he said he would he removed your heart of stone he took away your sin he put a new heart and a new identity in you and the reason that you and I are not living like it is not because it's not true because that would make God a liar our problem is we just don't believe it we're saved we're forgiven we've been set free we just don't believe it so we keep living in a kennel Jesus says, I'm going to give you my spirit, and he will teach you and remind you about who I say that you are, and he will never, ever give up on you until you finally believe it, because when you do, the gates of hell will shake, because your life will change. It'll change. Now, that's all I have to say about that. Let me talk about next week really, really quick. The Bible says, review real quick, the Bible says that Jesus is the one who takes away our sin, reconnects us back to God, gives us a new identity through the Holy Spirit. The Bible also says that Jesus is going to build a new community, a a church, a people who actually believe that it's true. Jesus will be the cornerstone of this new building and Jesus would build what Peter calls a spiritual house made up of living stones. People who believe that Jesus is who he says he is and people who believe that they are who Jesus says that they are. Next week, we're gonna look specifically at what if you believe that? What if you really did believe that you are who Jesus says you are? What what does that change in your life? What will you do with that truth? If you really believe that's who you are. Look at this. I, f- I found a quote. I was reading a book on vacation. The whole thing. No pictures. I read the whole thing. I'm, I'm growing up. All right. So look at this. All right. This is a great quote. Look at this. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. That list is endless. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Isn't that good? 
See, Jesus died so that you could come alive, that you could have life, real life, abundant life, eternal life, a life that is an expression of who he says that you are. Just live out that life of who he says you are. Jesus said he's going to build a spiritual house, his church, out of living stones, stones that are alive, that have come alive. Can you imagine what would be possible if everybody here began to see and live out of not their past, not their mistakes, not their emotions, but what if they begin to see themselves and live out of who Jesus says that you are, fully alive? Can you imagine how your life would change? And can you imagine what kind of spiritual house, spiritual impact, influence that this many living stones all kind of, kind of brought together, the influence we could have on this world, a world that says impossible things will always be impossible, at least for people like you? Can you imagine how things could change? Jesus calls us living stones. No, no one of us can do it by ourselves. But Jesus says, I want, I want to take all those living stones and I want to build something, a community, a movement. So here's what I want you to do. On your way out today, all right, some of you are not going to do this, and I, I just ask you to do this. Please do this, all right? On your way out at every exit, it's going to be really hard to get out of this building without seeing one. There are all these wheelbarrows full of stones, stones, all right? I want you to take one home with you. Now, these aren't magic stones. We didn't pray over these stones. We didn't wash them. They're dirty. You might want to get a paper towel. Anyway, so, right, so but, but here's on your way out. I want you to pick up and take one of these stones home with you. And all week long, okay, don't, they're not, again, don't get weird with this, all right? I, I, I know the world today. They're not, they don't have energy. They don't have, you know, you, 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 oh, the power. No, no, no. They're landscaping rocks. And if you lose one, just grab one out of your neighbor's house. It'd be a blessing, all right? So, but all week long, I want you to do this. I want you to take that stone. When you get out of bed, before you go to bed, or breakfast, coffee, whatever that is, I want, I want you to just hold that stone. And I want you to really pray two prayers over and over all week long. First prayer goes like this. God... Who does Jesus say that I am and what would change if I believed it? My life is built on a rock. The Bible says I'm a living stone. What, what, would, what would change my life if I actually believed that? The second thing is this, God, how could you use someone like me to build something that tells the world this is what Jesus is like? Could you use me? What would happen if I really believed the I am who you say you are and could you use someone like me? Then next week I want us to bring all the stones back in here. Again, if you lose one, just find one, all right? But bring those stones back in here next week, signifying I want God to use me. And at a certain point in our service, we're going to pile our rocks up, and then we're going to go, that's the church. Well, I'm in. That's the church. I'm going to put my gifts and my abilities and everything right there and what, what, what could happen right there. Here's the last, last, last thing, and I'm done. I'm one minute over. Ha, the cut. I'm going to pray, though. Uh, so... Um, some of you, you walked in the lobby today and went, oh, food drive, crap, I forgot, all right? So you just bring your food in, go directly to Sister Carmen's after today or go to Costco later today and bring it back here the next service or bring it in all through the week if you forgot, like the Bergen family did. Yay, I'm your leader. All right, so there's that. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, being honest with you. Let's stand up and then we're going to go in and one song. Grab a, grab a stone on your way, to your way out. God, I love what you're doing in this place. I love what you're doing in my life. And God, you and I both know that everything I just said all these, to all these people is really just what you and I personally are working out. Because I, I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm forgiven. I know you say I'm a good man. But then memories come back and thoughts come back and temptations come back that if these people knew, they'd probably run me out of town. But it's a lie. And those voices that whisper to every man and woman that you're, you're less than what God says you are and you're not really truly forgiven and you'll never, ever, ever, ever be the person that you want to be and that God created you to be, that is a life in the pits of hell. And the reason I know that is because your son Jesus died on a cross, gave us, poured out amazing grace to us. Grace is so amazing that I can say my chains are gone, I've been set free, and I will not go back in the cage ever, 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 ever again. I'm going to run after Jesus through the power of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in my life. That's my prayer. Build a church out of people who actually believe we are who you say we are and that you are who you say you are. All things are possible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.